Wow. How you guys doing? Everybody doing well? You guys look good? That was like a prophetic call right there that just went out. Uh, it's so good to be back here. It's, uh, you guys definitely feel like family, so that's, you're easy to be with in that way, so that's nice. How many of you had a good Christmas? What does that question mean anymore? People ask me, did you have a good Christmas? And I'm like, what's your definition of that? <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean? Good food? Good, good hanging out with family? Did you get good stuff? <laughs> what does it mean? And I guess it's an all-round question of like all the above. This is not the message, by the way. It's an honest question. I'm like trying to probe and figure out what does that even mean when people ask me that? Did you have a good Christmas? I got to spend time with my family. That's always good. This is always a, a top priority for me. And so I had, I've had uh, some time of rest, which is always really good. Um, and, and again, the kids are happy that they can recognize me and not forget my face because I've been gone too long. Thank you, sir. So anyway, it's good to be with you. Um, we've got, uh, as we always do, we have a resource table up there. I just brought up just some of the t-shirts in case you haven't seen them. But we decided to come out with some t-shirts because that's the new thing now, you know, t-shirts. When I was a kid as a Christian, t-shirts were big. Christian t-shirts were big. And then we went through this phase where they were just out. It was like, I guess, too much or something. And so now they're, they're making a, you know, they're coming back in. And so anyway, this is our risk t-shirt. And of course, this is not the type of t-shirt I wore because this collar is like way too cool. And it's longer, as you can see. And this size would never fit me in a million years. This is a small. So I'm thinking that's like a child small. But anyway, that's just my take on it. But anyway, it's uh, how do we spell faith, R-A-S-K? And we're trying to turn up the risk. We're trying to turn up the faith. And so anyway, that's a T-shirt that we had made on that. And then we have our take a toll T-shirts with the enemy if he attacks you or your family or anything goes wrong, we make him pay for that. We hit back by going out and healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, bringing people to Jesus. That's how we fight back. You see, healing is a weapon of war. Prophecy is a weapon of war. And so if you think about it from that perspective, it's really interesting when Jesus goes and he goes across to the other side uh, of the... Of the uh, of the lake uh, after hearing about John the Baptist. And the scripture says that he sees the crowd come and he's moved with compassion and he heals them all. Now he's going away to mourn and then all of a sudden he's, he heals them all. He's trying to get away from them and I'm like, Lord, what was that? And the Lord just spoke to me and said, revenge. And I'm like, I like that. You know, that's how God gets revenge. He doesn't get the revenge through natural uh, human ways of getting back at people, but actually going out. That's why he says, bless those who curse you. And those who are, who are against you, bless them and encourage them. How many of you know we got to get back to preaching the true prosperity gospel? Three woos. It's if you know what the true prosperity gospel is, and the true prosperity gospel is martyrdom and persecution. <laughs> Ten claps on that. 
three woos, ten claps. I was at. I was invited uh, by this uh, to this church uh, called King Jesus Church down in Miami, and a guy by the name of Guillermo Maldonado pastors it. I think it's the third or fourth largest church in the United States. And we went down and we took a bunch of these t-shirts and I told my PA, I said, we will never sell these t-shirts. They are not, because they are like big prosperity gospel people. I'm like, we will not sell any of these t-shirts. We, we probably shouldn't even put them out on the table. We sold out of them. This is the only t-shirt we sold out of there. They were like, yes, we love that. I was like, Shows you what I know. So anyway, we have these for you. And of course, all of the proceeds of this stuff goes to help um, uh, us do our missions and things like that. Would you like to see a little video, a little video about some of our mission stuff? I'm gonna show you two videos. I'm gonna show you one at the end and one at the beginning. But this just goes to show you what we're going after. And currently, we're really needing partners. Uh, one of the things that we've learned is that we need people who come along behind us. And when I say partners, please understand, I pastored way too long to ever take people's tithe. Your tithe goes to the local house. It doesn't go to people like me. We're parachurch ministry. And so that means come along beside the church. That's what we do, come along beside the church. But we are looking for people to partner so we can keep doing the work that we're doing in the Middle East. And so anyway, here's a, here's a short couple minute video just to kind of give you an idea, sort of a picture of some of that. And then, um, and then I'm gonna tell you just how to do that in, in just a minute. But let's go ahead and show that video if we could. Would we be willing to spend two, three years in prison to see an entire nation come to Jesus? Will we be willing to lose one of our loved ones to see a nation change? Will we be willing to give that to see a thousand people change? What about 500? What about 200? What about even one? This is the question these brothers and sisters are wrestling with every single day. It may be this one that may cost me my life. This one may cost me a prison sentence of five years. Just venturing out for that one, the price is so high. And yet that one person, they could be the key to the entire nation. The keys to seeing peace come to the Middle East is not gonna be done through governments, but it is gonna be done through us as the Church of Jesus Christ demonstrating the reality that Jesus is here. What will win the Muslim world is not arguing over theology, but what will change them is when they have an encounter. Healing is an act of war. As you give a prophetic word, as you give a word of knowledge, those are weapons of war. You're fighting with weapons of war. That's how we break the back of the enemy, is by stepping out and doing the things that Jesus did. And what we are doing is equipping people, the underground church, to have a demonstration of power, to go out, to these are people the from the Kashmir region. Them, it's one of the most persecuted the parts of the world. Bring them out for a month, do a month intensive, where every day we are sending them to the streets to put into practice and to activate what they've learned in healing, prophetic, deliverance. But what we want to do is we want to take it a step further by teaching and training them how to step out in the streets, how to approach strangers, how to do a, a gospel presentation outside of a safe place, but 
in a place where they can feel the ability to take a risk and to see those signs and wonders happen. It's so much more effective for us to train up the indigenous leaders and to see them raised up. They know the culture, they know the people far better than just us sending tons of missionaries over there or sending tons of books and pamphlets or information that relates to our Western culture, but not to theirs. This is not something that's cheap. It's a great expense. We're probably looking at anywhere between $750,000 to $800,000 a year. But I know God has that for us. My friends, we want to see the church not being burdened, trying to figure out how they're going to come and do it, but that we can make the way for them. I want to encourage you, see the value of the price they pay and join them in being willing to do that. For you and I, it may be money. For you and I, it could be prayer. For you and I, it may just be time. This is our opportunity to arm them with the weapons of war, of healing, of salvation. Now is our window to see the kingdom come in the most dangerous parts of the world. Amen. We have these cards, praise the Lord. We have a brochure at the back and we have these cards. If you're willing to, just pray about that and you can drop them off at the table if you're, if you're wanting to be a part of that. One of the things that's so exciting, and, and you were, we were showing you, we couldn't point it out for certain reasons because I'm, I'm sure you're streaming, but you were seeing pictures and videos from us training the uh, underground church in Iran and in Kashmir and of course in, in Pakistan. And one of the things, and let me just say this, and please don't hear this as a comparison of one or the other, it takes all of it. But I'm telling you, throughout church history, the big thing that transforms nations is not the crusade model. It is not the crusade model. It is training up the indigenous church. That is what brings transformation to a nation. Us just going in and out as Westerners, it's good. It's, it's like the Apostle Paul says, as long as the gospel's preached, the gospel being preached never returns void. So it's not, it's not bad, but the long-term impacting effect of an area or of a region is when you raise up, when you pour into that local church. The local church is the hope of the world, anywhere in the world. And raising them up and building them up is crucial. And so uh, our, you know, our heart is to see, uh, we added, just because of so many prophetic words, we were getting about Turkey. Uh, Cindy Jacobs gave us two prophetic words this past year about Turkey, and then Bob Hazlett did as well, but we added in, and we were just in Ephesus, uh, Turkey, where uh, w- while we were there, I mean, the Lord just began to stir something in my heart of recapturing something as we stood in the Colosseum uh, where that, uh, in Acts 19, where Paul and the, the believers would have stood and just see, seen a revival that was missed. It was just, oh, it was so painful to watch. Um, just uh, watching, uh, just seeing, wow, this place was filled. Matter of fact, okay, I was gonna preach something completely different, but I'm gonna go down that road. T- turn, turn to, t- I was gonna talk to you about the wedding in Cana, but let's, let's take a look, uh, turn to Acts 19. I just, I, I just can't stay away from it. I kept telling myself, don't talk about Acts 19 this morning. Just don't go there. But I can't stop myself. Okay. So uh, t- take a look at this passage. 
um, in Acts 19, and I, I want to just kind of go through and just read the scripture and stop and highlight some parts of, at certain points. Now you have to realize where the church is is at is you know they're they're finally sort of engaging in the go ye, uh, if you will, and you had Paul. And what's interesting if you take a look at Acts 16, and you have Paul. This is where the woman with the familiar spirit is following Paul around, and she's crying out, you know, behind them. She's, she's saying, listen to these guys, and so many of our translations say the words that she said, for they will show you the way to eternal life. But in the actual translation, that's not what she says. What she says is they will show you a way to eternal life. And I think this is what Paul gets so angry and rebukes her, is because, you know, she's saying, listen to these great men of God, listen to, it's not because she was mocking them as great men of God, but she was, as the enemy always does, distorts the message from the way to a way. And Paul is upset because it is detracting from Christ as the way. And we are in, in our society, and I can tell you all over the world, I am working with groups in, in, throughout the Middle East where they are starting to preach a message of let's, it, let's sort of embrace parts of Islam that we can and let's teach this as a way to sort of stealthily move in to impact. And I'm telling you, that is the biggest mistake you can ever make. Because it, Christ is not a way. He is the way. There is no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And accepting bits and pieces and going in and speaking and declaring things of, of it, trying to acknowledge even as Muhammad as, a, as some sort of acceptable prophet is absolutely not okay. And this is a little side note. This is why I'm so glad, I'm so glad you're showing this, this movie that you're, everybody needs to come see that, that movie. I mean, it is absolutely powerful. And let me tell you something right now. If you've ever thought that abortion is just a political issue, I'm gonna call you to repentance. Abortion is not a political issue. Abortion is a biblical issue and it is an attack on the very gift that God has given. And never reduce anything that is, that is sin to a political issue. You are sacrificing something that you have no right to sacrifice. And we as a church, we need to repent for stuff like that because it's not a political issue. It is life and death, and it is talking about saving our nation. Saving our nation, and I'm not kidding. But you have, you have here, getting back to this, little segue, coming back now to this. Go see that movie. Do yourself a favor. Be prepared. <laughs> It will take your breath away. It is funny watching Chris Vallotton as a, like an actual Sunday morning pastor, which I'm like, he is not. I love him. He's a friend, but he is, he is, he is not. <laughs> so he's a good actor in this movie. <laughs> so Acts 19, let me, let, let's take a look at what's happening here. This is, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled to Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers and when you see that, when I would see that passage, several believers, as a kid, I thought, oh, this is like several hundred. You sort of think that these guys, when they're preaching in public and they're preaching out on the streets, that there's like thousands gathered. Well, that's because you're reflecting on Jesus and his ministry. Sometimes it's just a few. Sometimes it's just a handful. Look at this. 
in Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Well, of course you can because there's many believers that you could talk to today who don't know there's a Holy Spirit. They may know the term Holy Spirit. They may know, they may know uh, him as a role or just as a sort of figure, figurative character, but to actually understand the relationship with the Holy Spirit is a different thing. It says, then what baptism did you experience, he asked them, and they replied, the baptism of John, which all of us you know, in, in Christendom would, would understand that. This is water baptism. Paul said, John baptism called for the repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues, meaning speaking in tongues, and prophesied. And there was about... 12 men in total. So this is not a huge crowd. Whenever you see transformation come to an area, it doesn't come necessarily in a mass. It always starts with a few. It always starts with that. That's the reason why the scripture says don't despise small beginnings. Small beginnings are significant. Small beginnings can be huge and can, but can absolutely transform regions and nations. It says, when Paul went to the synagogue, he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, and publicly speaking against the way. The way was the name of the early church. That's what they called themselves, the way. So Paul let, not a way recognized, but the way. So Paul left the synagogue, and he took the believers with him. So Paul is going into the synagogue. Now, this is a place where he would expect to have more people receptive of his message. But he goes into there. They're rejecting the message. And so he takes the few believers who've actually embraced it. He takes them with him to go. And where does he go to? And it said, then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall at Tyrannus and then went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. So Paul takes those who are willing to hear, who are willing to respond, and he goes to a public area and so he goes to the, so these guys aren't moving into town to start a church by finding a building or trying to find property or trying to figure out how to gather people around their cause. They're going in, this is the classic old school way of just going in, preaching the gospel, bringing people into relationship with Christ, and then leading them and building the church literally from the ground up. And so many parts of the world that I'm working in right now, that is what the way that it has to be. That's the way that it has to work. And one of the things that's significant, again, in pouring into what our local group of believers is because you are pouring into what, are, what is going to be the sustainable power of that area that's going to bring true and total transformation. And so it says, God gave Paul, listen to this. If this is not underlined, I'd underline it in your Bible. God gave Paul power to perform unusual miracles. How many of you would like to do that? How many of you would like to be able to pray and see and perform unusual miracles? 
I mean, the, man ju- the mind just starts whirling when you think about it. What do unusual miracles mean? What is this about? And th- they only mention a few here, but it says, when handkerchiefs or aprons had merely touched his skin, were placed on the sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. That's the deliverance ministry I want to sign up for. But you know what I mean? I mean, you could just take a napkin, wipe it on your arm, and throw it on somebody. Ah, boom, they leave. I mean, I, I'm in for that. These are powerful, unusual miracles. It's not an uncommon thing for us to get shipped to our house or to our, our, our post office box. People sending handkerchiefs or sending washcloths. I, I, I was speaking in Russia recently, and they had stacks of these washcloths all over. I mean, stacks and stacks and stacks. And I was like, what are those for? And the pastor's like, before you leave, you will touch every one of those. And I'm like, that's a lot. This is not just a little bit. It's a lot. I mean, they, were, they, they would spread across the stage. And he goes, because all of these people are looking for you, to, you know, for this, for them to take and, and to be able to take back. And I was like, man, that kind of faith. That kind of expectancy to actually believe the word of God and to believe that it can be performed again. This is an incredible thing. And so God bestows on Paul this ability to perform unusual miracles. Here's the key to performing unusual miracles. Radical risk. You're not going to bypass taking radical risk in order to see unusual miracles performed. Here's the deal. We want to see the miracles performed. We're like, why aren't we seeing unusual miracles in the church? Why aren't we seeing? The question is not for God. It is for us, ourselves. It's when we put ourselves in the place of being ready to take and willing to take radical risks. They tried to, and I love this, a group of Jews traveling from town to town uh, casting out evil spirits, tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in, in their incantation, saying, and this we're in verse 13, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. And my friend Sean Smith says it this way, anytime you're having to use the power once removed, you're in trouble. <laughs> anytime there's not the relationship, but it's once removed, and this is what's happening here. It's once removed. The seven sons of Sceva of a leading priest were doing this. But one time they tried. So meaning this had effect because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's authority that is in the name of Jesus. And it says, when they tried, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? I know Jesus and I know Paul. Let me tell you what my prayer is for you. That the devil knows your name. My prayer for you is that all of hell knows your name and knows it well. That you are on their most wanted wall in hell. That they all know your name. That's a goal for you. Write down. New Year's resolution 2020. (laughs) That all of hell knows my name and knows it well. And hell's not going to know your name by just being a spectator. They're not going to know your name. I mean, listen, if you you came to hear me speak and you thought you were just going to get a light message, I mean, you should get, come on, you guys know me by now. It's not going to (laughs) happen. 
It's not going to happen. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to challenge you. That's just the way it is. But listen to this. I know, we know, <laughs> Peter, we know, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know, but who are you? Make your goal to where the enemy knows you by name. I walked in one time to do a deliverance, and there was this girl who was severely demonized. I mean, to the point where she was literally levitating. I mean, it was disturbing. And she was, I'm, I'm looking under her, under the bed, and she's that high off the bed, before the Lord. The multiple witnesses saw it. I mean, this is not, this is not just something that's thought, or we thought we saw it. It was happening. And as soon as, as soon as she saw me, she screams out, no, not him, and tries to jump out a third-story window. Her dad was, you know, strong enough and fast enough that he grabs her by the belt and pulls her back and, and, and restrain, you know, puts her on the bed and restrains her, and then that's when she elevates off the bed. And I remember sitting there going, this is going to be easy. You know why? Because the devil, whatever devil that was, I had already dealt with them before at some point. They knew who I was. I'm like, yes. I don't say that in a cocky way. I say that in a, okay, this is going to be good. Because we have, whatever the spirit is, we've got history. <laughs> we have history together. <laughs> so it's been, it's been defeated obviously once, and I'm coming after it again. This is good. This is going to be an easier one. And it literally was within 30 minutes this thing was gone. It was a bit of a process for this young lady because there were several footholds in her life. She needed some deep inner healing and things like that. But man, seriously, make your goal that the enemy knows you by name. The enemy knows you by name. It used to be we would go to our front door and there would be all kinds of weird stuff laying at our front door. And we're like, those are the most unusual gifts ever. Why is that there? And then we realized they were curses. People putting curses against us. And we were like, it was, it was almost, we almost wanted to make a shelf and put them on. <laughs> Just as trophies. <laughs> the enemy knows who we are. He's coming against us. I know you think I'm crazy. That's fine. <laughs> I've already accepted it. Who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt onto them overpowered them, how many, of you, how many of you already would agree this is not going well, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. So they're running away, no clothes on and beaten and bloodied, running away. Would everyone agree this is a failure? <laughs> would you agree to that? This is a failure encounter. They failed miserably. Would you agree to that? Okay. This is a failure. How many of you have ever failed at something? <laughs> How many of you ever prayed for somebody that didn't get healed? There's not enough limbs or digits or... I've got three books. I could write 20 out of the failures. How many of you ever tried to cast out a spirit and it just went on forever? And you're like, the devil's in charge here. I am not. Failure stories. You go to preach the gospel and it backfires on you and the person turns on you. You lose a relationship. Failures, right? This is the king of failure stories right here. This trumps all of our stories because I've never walked away from a situation 
with no clothes on and beaten. <laughs> it's never gotten that. I've been beaten, but it's never gotten like that. I've been thrown in jail. I've been in prison all that, but it's never been that. This trumps them all. Look what happens. <laughs> oh, this, this, is, this, is, this is such an amazing story. It really is. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout Ephesus. The success story? No. The failure story spread quickly. A blowout failure story. Why is it that those always get more attention? Why are those being heralded and blasted across the media? To the Jews and Greeks alike, a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord was greatly honored. Out of a failure. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't. A total failure story. They blew it. But the word of the Lord never returns void. No matter what. So if you're going to fail, fail big. Go fail big. Make it your goal this year. I will trump all my previous failures. <laughs> Doing this. Why? It's seed. It's seed. This is so good. How many of you pray for the underground church that persecution would end? I do. And yet... In July, we're looking in the faces of these Iranian, many of them you were seeing on that video, Iranian brothers and sisters telling us, tell the church in the West to stop praying that persecution of the church ends in Iran. Tell them to stop it. Tell them to pray that it increases because it's working in our favor. It's the fastest growing church in the world right now. An amazing thing to me is all the, all the registered churches have been completely shut down. They've been forced out. All their leaders, some of the first people that fled were the leaders of those churches. I, I consider them heroes and champions. But yet they fled. And I prayed and I asked the Lord. I said, what's happening there? And he said, there was too much control in those churches. And so the persecution had to increase to force the leaders out because the Lord spoke to me and said, because I want to build my church. I've seen their churches. Now I want to build my church. And I'm telling you what's happening in Iran, Christ is building his church. He's building his church. And the gates of hell aren't winning. So listen to this. Fear of the Lord descended on the city. The name of the Lord was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sins and practices, sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books, burned them in a public bonfire out of a failure story. Paul's only preaching to 12. <laughs> These failures impact thousands. You're getting it. Who's ever clapping, you're getting it. You're getting what I'm saying. You got what, it, what this means. The, the value of the books were several million dollars. <laughs> I 
So the message about the Lord Jesus spread widely and had a powerful effect. Had a powerful effect. Afterwards, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. And he sent his two assistants, Timothy and Aretas, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, the silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines to the great goddess Artemis. And he kept many craftsmen busy. So basically, I'm going to sum up this part of the story. He brings them all together, and he says to them, we've got to stop this message because, and of course, they're making tons of money off of building these, these gods. But he says, this is hurting the message. This is hurting and dishonoring Artemis. This is hurting the goddess Diana. And so we've got to bring a stop to this because it's depleting this, and it's only for the God, for the honor of Diana. There's no personal, even though their business and their livelihood is made off of that, of course they're saying it has nothing to do with that. And he says uh, uh, towards the uh, end, I think of 27, or in the middle of 27, he says, I am concerned that the temple of the great goddess, God, goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that the great God will be robbed of prestige. At this, in verse 28, at this their anger boiled and they began shouting, great is Artemis. Now they're speaking of this false God, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city, listen to this. What creates a revival? What creates a revival? If we knew, we would be doing it all the time. Right? For different parts of the world, it's different things. But at the core, it's always the supernatural. It's always people going after the presence and pressing in and extending, getting filled up to be poured out in the community and bringing the supernatural activity of God. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Isn't this amazing? Like when I read this, I've read this my entire life, but I read it afresh just about a year ago. And, and, and then my friend Sean preached it a couple of months ago and, and, and something began to stir me. He was going a different direction with it, but I began to really get into this again. And especially after being in this place, being in Ephesus where we were in July and experience, it says the people were filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater. Why? They have no idea. Why are we here? I don't know. Everybody else was coming, so I decided to come. Rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Articus, who were Paul's traveling companions. So this looks like they're going to beat them, or something, something bad's going to happen. From Macedonia, listen to this. Paul wanted to go too, but the believers would not let him. I've been to this Colosseum. I've stood in this very spot, in this Colosseum. It seats 10,000 people. It's all marble. The acoustics are astounding. We're standing there with our Muslim tour guide, and he's like, Does, would anybody like to test the acoustics? Does anybody want to sing a song or anything to test the acoustics? I'm like, oh, 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 no, 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 this is mine. I got this one. And I got up and I read this passage in this very Colosseum. 
And I shouted, Paul was never allowed to preach here because believers held him back. And so I want to give the call that he would give. If you are here, and there was like hundreds of tour groups or hundreds of people that made up multiple tour groups. And I said, if you are here and you have never given your life to Jesus and you want to know the love, the joy, the transforming power, this is in one of the biggest Muslim nations in the world. You got to realize there's 82 million people in Turkey and there's less than 6,000 Christians. And I said, they come here, we will pray for you, your bodies will be healed, the power of God will transform you. This is the message the Apostle Paul would preach here, but he was never allowed to preach it. Man, a revival missed. Should have been the greatest of all time. Paul wanted to go too, but the believers would not let him. Some of the officials of the province of France, Paul also sent a message begging Paul not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. This is a guy who can perform unusual miracles. And you keep him back. You keep him back. This is the time to push that guy to the front. This is the time to push it to the front. They're gathered there. Yeah, they're shouting something that's opposing. But this is something that God, I believe, in all my heart, had stirred in them and made them gather. Had they known what it was for, of course they wouldn't have come. But the Spirit had done something. Man, God can use the spirit of confusion to bring people to him. He can use the spirit of confusion. He can use it. Inside, the people were shouting some one thing, some another. Everyone was in confusion. In fact, some of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander, a traveling companion. They pushed Alexander out for him to say something in order for him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak, but when the crowd realized that he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for two hours. Great as Artemis the Ephesian. Great as Artemis of the Ephesians. So much so that the local leaders stepped out and said, hey, these guys aren't speaking against. This is what I love about what Mike said earlier about the movie. We don't go into countries speaking against anything. I said some provocative things here, but we don't go speaking against anything. Why? Because that's not even important. You know, so you don't have to preach against something. You speak the truth and love and let it plow the way. Let it do the work. Let it work the miracle. And everyone dispersed and went their way. Should have been the greatest revival. And let me tell you, there's been a battle over Turkey ever since. Now a demonic leader rules it. And it's a spirit that jumps from one leader to the next. I think it's the very demon that was in Saddam Hussein. 
And it just bounces around from dictator to dictator, seeing who can control and who can. A massive revival missed because the church played it safe. My friends, don't ever be safe. Don't ever be safe. Don't ever be safe. Make this year your pledge, your commitment that every opportunity, every, 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 let me tell you, it only takes, Paul starts this move with just a few, just a few. We were at a church in Dallas and Sojourn and my friend Bob Hazlett was preaching there and we just slipped in. He didn't even know we were coming. And he turns and he looks and he goes, oh, there's my friend Robbie. And then he turns and he says, and he was preaching from Revelation 2, which is talking about the church in Ephesus. Starts off with Ephesus. And he just stops and he had no idea we had just, I mean, we'd just gotten back. And my wife and I had just talked. I'm like, you know, rather than just Armenia and Iraq, putting schools there, we need to do one, two in Ephesus just, just to tell Jesus that we love him. Just to recapture the heart of what was supposed to happen that never did. And Bob turns and he goes, Robbie, God says you will re-spark the revival in Ephesus that was lost. And I was like, yes, yes. That will become a church plant. And so then I was like, I turned to my wife and I said, I think that's the Lord saying yes, put Ephesus back on, make Ephesus the goal. You see, because that was a work that the Lord had started but has been lying dormant for thousands of years, waiting for somebody to come and to reclaim its inheritance. I'm willing to do that. I'm ready to be a part of that. There are so many inheritances that are spiritual inheritance here that have been lost, that have been lost, that have been, that have been bypassed. One of those I want to show you in closing, another video. This is, you heard me tell this story, but now I want to sh actually show you the footage. I know you showed Finger of God 2 here, but let me show you what they didn't show you <laughs> in some footage. And this was so significant, significant because actually the scene where it shows here where, they show, where I slip into the car, that's at the part where we're actually being held at gunpoint. We didn't slip into the car right away. We went to the front. I mean, if the, if the authorities stop you, you have to go and talk to them. And so we did that. But because they had taken the camera away, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. And so, um, so what, what, we, what you see in the scene here that's at the beginning is actually edited because we didn't have the camera to be able to show it. And so that part completely, we just, the, the producer just felt like we shouldn't even put it in, even though it was the <laughs> most significant part in my mind. It was something that we couldn't tell the story without the footage, and it made sense. And so I was like, yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But anyway, keep that in mind as you watch it. And my prayer is as you watch this that something sparks in your heart. Guys, remember this. Changing the world starts across the street. It starts right around, uh, just right where you are. And let this motivate you. Let this be an encouragement to you to say, Lord, this year, I'm never going to allow fear to dominate. I'm not going to allow worry and I'm not going to allow self-preservation self to rob a God encounter any longer because I believe Castle Rock should be a place where Jesus rules and reigns and that's going to be up to you and I. Let's go ahead and, and show that. I'm going to commentate a couple of
points on here too. I'm giving myself for the one thing, the one thing that's worth giving myself for in all of history, in all the world. One thing worth dying for. I'm here doing it right now. It just kept coming back again and again. There's nothing else worth it like this. There's no nation, there's no government, there's nothing, nothing worth it the way this is worth it. This is the one thing for all of history, all of time, that is worth giving everything for. To see that God is here on These the These are Iranians being baptized. In pursuit of a humanity that's even in denial of him. This is, at this time, the most dangerous country in the world for Christians. I mean, uh, you know, these three major uh, Muslim terrorist groups that he'd just blown up four days before, a bomb right outside of the German embassy, killing 90 people, injuring 200 people, shutting down the city streets, shutting down a major part of the city. The tension that that, that brought, that whole tension of death, was moving into this place of Christians accusing other Christians. If you keep going out and evangelizing, if you keep sharing your faith, if you keep inviting people to Jesus, you're gonna get us killed. And then they got it. Spirit, just go before us, direct us. Father, we just thank you that Jesus is going to be so famous in Afghanistan. I had saw a guy walking down the street and it was limping, and I knew he had a leg shorter than the other. Yeah, that. We are surrounded by three different major Muslim terrorist groups that are controlling the city. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, the Taliban, all three are colliding and fighting over this one city, you know, in the heart of Afghanistan. When you start communicating Jesus as being higher than Muhammad, is when there's danger. And when miracles are happening in the name of Jesus today, they don't happen in the name of Muhammad today. This one is shorter, yeah. Oh man, look at that. That is significant. Okay. In Jesus' name, I command his hips to line up. Grow right now in Jesus' name. I declare peace in these hips. In Jesus' name. And so I'm holding the guy's legs and we're praying and, you know, commanding this leg to grow in Jesus' name. All of a sudden we see the police approaching in the distance. Jesus' name. Perfect alignment. Perfect alignment. 
right now. Okay. Okay. This is where we actually went to the front of the car and had the encounter with him there, but we had to change the footage. I sat there and I thought, man, there's no place to run. If this turns quick, we, we're, we're, we're completely uncoverable. How they have to explain any authority? Oh, those, those were Christians and they prayed for that guy. Or they were talking to him about Jesus. That's all they need. When I saw them standing there and they grabbed the camera and they grabbed the phone, I was like, oh no, all the evidence is on there. They have it all. They have, they, they can, all they have to do is look past a couple of little scenes and boom, that's it, we're dead. Born, make blind. Seeking eyes blind. Of them? No, no, no. no. They were looking at the camera and worried that we had footage of them holding us at gunpoint. It was it was the hardest thing getting in that car and, and taking off. But yet the Lord spoke to me as soon as we started to pull away. He said, the seed is planted. Well, you clearly demonstrated the gospel. The seed was planted. It's not done. There's more to come. The enemy wants to keep us in fear. If we react in fear and just hide, that's what he wants. But we react to that by going out and healing the sick, telling them about Jesus. We make the enemy pay for that. And that's how we tell them, you stay out of our city. We've got the devil on the run. We've got Satan terrified. He, he's, he knows what's going to happen. And he's throwing everything at us. This opposition actually is there to create a fire to, to stir us to increase everything rather than to pull back from everything. And so it was, it was at that point, our last day together, we prayed, Holy Spirit, would you come? The Afghans had never seen bullets? anybody fall out in the would spirit you send your fire ever here? before whether on TV or on video or It came with fire, and it came with boldness, and it came with the release, and it came with courage. He's a Taliban leader. They needed a power surge of the Holy Spirit. They needed to be impacted. They needed to be shook. They needed to be filled and empowered, and it only came by that power of the Holy Spirit. 
by the Holy Spirit coming and filling them with something that had to be beyond themselves. I should the say power, was the Taliban leader. Release, a boldness, a holy boldness. He's now their greatest evangelist. are off. Now everything's changed. Now we're going all in. During Ramadan, most of the Muslim people are, they only come out at night because for, during the day they have to fast. There's no, they can't even drink water. And so we're winding around through these streets, desolate area. This is, you know, it's just sort of extreme place out of the way. Did you guys see that guy walking back there? On that side of the road, is it possible? Yeah, that's alone. Oh, he's missing arm. Wow. He's What's wrong with his hands? What time could you his hand was like a claw, he couldn't open it. His hands also, he has some problems. He can't stretch him out. So touch his hand. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this hand to be healed right now. I command. I'm not praying, I'm fingers. just coaching them and praying. They're the ones who are doing to it. To straighten right now. I'm just giving them the words. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Oh, he's surprised. He's surprised yeah, at this. Yeah, now he's surprised. Do you now. see? It's okay. Jesus loves you so much. His finger is more straight. And this finger is straight. His finger was bent. Oh, you see it? Yeah. <laughs> I saw his finger straight. Yeah, Wow, look at that, man. Light shot? Yes, Light shot. His finger's not bent. Yeah. No, I know, I saw. Yeah. His, his hand was like that yeah. before. Yeah. Jesus just healed your hand. It was like that. All it, all out of cut with it. Now it's like all straight. Straighten it out all the way. Light is cool. Look at that, man. Hot boss. Yeah. There's no more pain. I saw it. I know, I saw it. His finger was like that, and these fingers were like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's Jesus telling you how much he loves you. It was the moment, the pinnacle of what we knew God had sent us there for to do, and to see that, for them to catch that. He's really for us. He's contending for us. He's breaking through. He's doing it. 
This isn't us having to do it. This isn't us having to be just wise as serpents alone. He's there, you know, he's got a sword drawn. He's fighting in this battle. When we asked him if he wants to accept Jesus, he says, I am willing to sacrifice myself for Jesus because he knows that means he could be killed. Just pray with him right there, yeah. You have to say the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. That will change things. That will disarm things. You have to say the name of Jesus. And so he says the name of Jesus, translates it, and then there is this peace. He's having, he's feeling so much peace that he never felt before since he is born. Hallelujah, praise God. So good. They later, the Afghans later were talking about, so as soon as he, you translated the name of Jesus, there was something that happened. You're my brother. My brother. I love you, my brother. I love you, my brother. I'm going to pray for you all the time. I love you. They just got an impartation of boldness. They got it. And it just... I lost it after that. I was like, Lord, they can't see me go there and do this. They've got to see you're fighting for them. You're fighting for them. You're defending them. Because they're the ones doing this every day on the line. I'm just coming in. I'm just providing a spark. This is their opportunity to see God is on our side. And he is advancing this gospel. It's not just us and our efforts and us and our persuasion abilities, our ability to speak, but it is a collision, it is the kingdom. After that, everybody the they prayed for was healed. The reality and they wouldn't even let me coach Jesus them anymore. And him showing, I am Lord, and this is my nation. And I will be proclaimed in the streets of this city. Amen. greatest times of all of history. And if you're just here and you're just like, I don't care where it is, whether it's across the street or wherever, you're just willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me. I don't care where, I don't care what, I don't care what you ask. If that's you, just stand right now. Father, as we end this year, we just say, Lord, the ways of how we operated in the past are done, and how we move ahead is just to trust and to follow your spirit no matter what. If you say go, we go. If you say speak, we speak. If, you, if we just feel the slightest 
desire or prompting to share, we do it because you've already said it in your word to go. We don't need any more than that. Father, I pray that there would be such a such a spirit of confusion. And I just, I know you know that you're in an area and a territory where there is just a spiritual confusion all over. And yet those were the ingredients that Ephesus had to see one of the greatest revivals that, that was set up by God to happen. And we just say, Lord, set us up like that. Set us up like that. And Lord, we will go and we won't shrink back and we won't let others hold us back. I pray, Lord, in this house, I pray in this meeting here that there are many that the Lord is saying he will put on you that ability to perform unusual miracles as you step out and take the risks. He's got your back. He will show up because he wants to do it more than you do. You aren't pleading with him and begging him to, to release that power. He wants you to operate in that. Lord, let there be a release. Let there be a reckless abandonment for us just to go for it no matter what. No matter the price, no matter what. Fill us with that, Holy Spirit. And just to say everything we have, everything we are, it's all yours. Spend us how you will. As John Wimber used to say, treat me like a nickel in your pocket and throw me anywhere you want me. Let us just be the nickels in God's pocket that he can just throw us anywhere he wants us. We thank you for that, Lord. And just right now in your heart, tell God what you'll commit to him for this year. Tell God right now what it is that you're willing. And it may be moments of the past. People ask me all the time, how did you get so bold? I got tired of shrinking back so many times. I just got sick and tired of missing it. Just tell God right now where you won't miss it again. Just make that covenant, I'm not gonna miss it here again. Holy Spirit, just fill us. Ruin us with your heart. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.